So we're going to be in Acts chapter 5 today. As we're studying through the book of Acts, we see the apostles starting out um, still clueless as to what God is doing early on. Um, they were able to talk with um, Jesus shortly before he left. And then he said, hey, go wait um, for the promise of the comforter. And then they received the Holy Spirit. And now they are on fire for Christ. They're out there ministering. They're out there sharing the gospel. Thousands and thousands of people are getting saved. It's not as if it were just um, a small group of people here and a small group of people there. Uh, this is the church being born. And quite often, we lose perspective of that. We consider, well, what are we doing today? Is it only the mega churches that are really doing something for the Lord? Not at all. As a matter of fact, uh, the mega churches are doing great things. Some of them are doing great things. Some of them are doing nothing except raising money and building bigger buildings. They're tearing down small barns for big barns. Uh, but it's the flock, it's the people. The church isn't the building, it's the people. And so the people are going out and sharing the good news and people are still getting saved today. If people weren't getting saved today, we'd be out of here. There'd be no point for us to be here any longer. There's that last person that's going to get saved. And then... Lord's going to say, okay, no more. We're out of here. And, and we're, so please find them <laughs> and, and share the gospel with them. Bring them to church and direct defiance of the orders that were given by the Sadducees. The apostles were out there teaching Jesus, teaching that he is the son of God. He came to earth and he died on the cross for our sins, but the tomb couldn't hold him. He was resurrected and came back to life. And the Sadducees said, don't teach that. Stop teaching that. They don't want to hear that because it undermines their ministry. What they think, you see, because they thought they were in charge. You know, they thought that they, were, they had the connection to God, right? Nobody else does. You know, why are you telling people that they can have a relationship with God? You can't. You have to go through us. And so that wasn't right. Absolutely not. So we're told that everyone brought to the apostles those that were sick or demon-possessed, and the apostles were healing them. Every one of them were being healed. And so it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the work of the apostles. It was the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. And then the Sadducees said, hey, don't preach in the name of Jesus. 
You know, go out there, do good works and stuff, but don't say it's because of Jesus. See, they just wanted to shut them up. They didn't want to hear about Jesus. Today, we're going to hear how the religious rulers react to the ongoing ministry of the apostles. I want to let you know there are pastors, there are teachers out there. I shouldn't even call them pastors. There are teachers out there that are leading people astray, that are leading flocks astray. There is even a church in the town that teaches that creation didn't happen, that it's evolution is how everything was formed, and that Jesus wasn't the son of God. He wasn't born of a virgin. He didn't rise from the dead. And this is a church that calls themselves Christians. Okay, so, uh, you know, and I, I'm not going to pick on the people in the church. They're getting deceived by the leader of the church. See, that's the problem they were having back then. The, the Sadducees, the leader of the, the religious system there, they were the conduit to God. Anyone that it teaches today that you don't need to know the Bible, that you can't know the Bible, but it's just a bunch of allegory and, and uh, you know, nice stories and everything. And I'll tell you what it means. Listen to me and I'll give you, if you listen to them, then you are just deceived as they are. Because they believe that they are the conduit to God or that they are God because they're able to disseminate information that they don't even understand, but they make up stories about it. And, and so that's what was going on back then, and it hasn't stopped through all these ages. And so we have the Word of God. We trust the Word of God. We don't trust the Word of God because some pastor told you to. We trust the Word of God because when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and are filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the evidence of God living within us and we can see everything that he does in our lives and say, this is not me. This is a supernatural. If you take credit for the things that God is doing, then that makes you just as deceived as the pastor that's teaching that there is, you know, no God on earth in the form of Jesus Christ. So uh, we really try, and I know that many of you have heard this before. I'm just doing this for the one person online right now that's watching that doesn't know these things. I don't know, maybe that's the last one to get saved, and, and we'll be out of here soon. So, today's message is titled, Set Free. And we continue our study through Acts chapter 5 with verse 17, where we read, Then the high priest rose up, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. So they got mad. Why? Because the apostles were out there healing people. 
We read last week that some people were putting their sick and lame out on the streets just so that maybe the shadow of Peter would pass over them and that they would be healed from that. Where's the faith in that? Oh, maybe his shadow might go. Bring him to Peter and say, he's sick. You know, if you have faith that Peter can heal him, bring him. It didn't say that any of those people that Peter's shadow passed over were healed. But everyone that were brought to the apostles were healed. Demons were cast out. There was an action. They brought them to be saved, to be healed. And that they were. So now these Sadducees, they didn't have a relationship with God. They didn't know even how to reach God except by following a bunch of laws. And now they're shutting down the conduit, the work that is being done through these apostles. They're shutting it down. They don't want to know. They see the miracles too. They know the miracles are happening. They can see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in the apostles, but they want to shut it down. What does that tell you? They're out of touch with reality, as many of these false prophets are today. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and say, go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. So an angel comes in to the common prison where they were locked up. Basically, a common prison is just a big cell. It's like a holding cell. And they're in this big area that's locked up. And there are guards outside. And an angel comes and lets them out. Here's something interesting. We don't hear everyone freaking out about the angel coming and, you know, and them saying, and the angel having to say, fear not, you know. They're not afraid of angels anymore. They're getting used to the fact that angels come and help. And, and that God is sending, you know, his helpers to do, you know, the things that they can't do on their own. And so an angel comes, lets them all out of prison and says, uh, go to the temple and preach. Some people say that this is something that God will do on a regular basis and that, you know, if he does it this way, this is the way it's done. Well, Peter was crucified upside down, historically we learn. He was imprisoned. Paul was imprisoned and, you know, many people were imprisoned and killed for their faith. So it's not every time you're put in prison, you're going to be released from prison. God may want to use your imprisonment for a purpose. I mean, Paul was imprisoned and he wrote the prison epistles while he was in prison. If he wasn't in prison, he wouldn't have been writing the prison epistle. He wouldn't have had the time. He would have been out ministering and, and oh, he probably would have wrote some of the letters, but being in prison, he, he was captive. He was able to write those. And we can see that when he wrote those, 
he didn't cons- he wasn't concerned with his own situation. He wasn't whining about the fact I'm in prison here, so you guys need to be doing all of this. You know, if I get out of here, I'm coming to smack you down if you're going to do it wrong. He, he wasn't saying that at all. But he was writing encouragement to the churches while he was in prison. And, and so God uses all of our circumstances. Here, he chose to let these guys out of prison and say, go to the temple and go teach. Go do what you're supposed to do because that's why we're here. And what do you want them to teach? The words of this life. Which life? The Christian life. Teach people what it means to be a Christian. That's what we're doing here. You know, if, if, they, if the apostles were to come here today, what would they teach? What would they be sharing? I believe they'd be sharing the same thing that I'm sharing because I'm sharing what they were sharing back then. So really, it's the word of God that's being disseminated. It's the gospel. And it's us learning by what took place back then and how it applies to us today. So I believe they'd be teaching the same message that we're hearing today. And I just use different analogies. You know, driving a car. They'd be talking about driving a chariot. Or riding a donkey or something like that. You know, but really the message is the same. How are we being used by God to minister to the world around us? Cheryl and I were talking about that today. We were talking about how do we show people, you know, the difference between being a Christian and between being in the world and living in the world. And what are some practical ways that we can see that? Well, Cheryl was talking about volunteerism. She's very big into volunteerism. And she loves volunteering for things and getting out there in public and just being in the public. And um, I, I like volunteering too um, for things I know what, how to do. You know, Sometimes I go and I do things that I don't know how to do and then I just look like I don't know what I'm doing, but volunteer anyway. And when you volunteer, it's not what you're able to do. It's the attitude that you do it with. And so when you go out, you know how people go out to volunteer and they complain about everything? Oh, sure, they brought donuts, but they're stale, you know? And, oh, man, I, why did they, they brought water, but it's warm, you know? And... You know, and, and people get really upset about the fact that everything isn't perfect when they enter this world of volunteerism. It's not perfect. It, it's, you know what? You complain about the water being warm. If you, if you handed out cold water, people would complain about it being cold. Oh, what are you trying to do? Give me an aneurysm with this thing? It's just going to make my head explode having this cold water. You know, but... It's really all about serving. It's just about doing what 
God wants to do and reach those people. If you volunteer, you're reaching people. You don't know where they're from, what trouble they're going through. And you can open up and say, you know, I see that you're having this struggle right now. Can I pray with you? And that opens up doors that you can't even imagine. And they can't fire you. You're a volunteer. So, you know, good to get out there and volunteer. So they were spreading the good news. They were doing what they were told to do, uh, bring the gospel. And I hope that uh, we're doing the same thing today, all of us. We all have that opportunity. So they leave the prison. They, they go out. They're going to get a little rest before uh, daybreak. And they're probably on Solomon's porch hanging out there. In verse 21, we read, and they heard that. So what did they hear? They heard him say from the angel, go out and go to the temple and go teach the words of life. They heard that and they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So these guys were totally unaware of what was going on. They wake up, they have their breakfast, a little falafel, and now they're going and they're going to meet with the council. They're getting everyone together and they're going to now bring the prisoners so they make their accusations against them. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So here they were. They had no idea what just took place. They weren't in the prison. They saw that everything was locked up. They saw the guards were stationed outside the door and they weren't there. How did the angels get them out? We, we don't know. And Luke doesn't tell us. All we know is that they said, the angels said to leave. They opened up the doors and they walked out. And so everything was done. So here they're expecting something to happen. They're expecting, you know, to be able to interrogate them and they don't have their opportunity anymore. And so there's sitting there. I can imagine the conversation they're having. What happened? Who let them out? And, and what's going to happen now? If they were supernaturally that up, what does that mean? That they were supernatural, that some God let them out? No. God wouldn't do that. Remember, there's Sadducees. So Sadducees are sad, you see, because they don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Sadducees don't believe in the work of God on earth. Even though they were seeing and witnessing the Holy Spirit working and healing people, and demons cast out, they don't believe it's true. I mean, I don't believe there's a gasoline problem. I don't believe that, you know, I just go to the, you know, go to the station, fill up, and then I drive away before I have to pay. 
No, I, I'm kidding. But the fact is, is that gasoline's very high priced now. People that don't recognize that are living in a different world. Either that or they have too much money. Too much. They, they could buy my gas, okay? But reality is, we're living in a different world today. And, you know, uh, don't get caught up in the politics of this, please. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter how little you pay or how much you pay for gas. It doesn't matter how little food costs or how much. All of these things are expected to happen. This is biblical. That we have it pretty stinking good. And we can afford the food. We can afford the gas. Uh, obviously, there are some people that couldn't because they're not here today. But, um, okay, maybe that's fine. <laughs> but the fact is, is that we can. And, uh, and we're not struggling. Many other places in the world are struggling right now. And so sometimes we are out of touch with the trials and the struggles that are going on in the world because we, we have it pretty good. We're insulated from some of the bad things that are going on in the world. And you know what? That's part of living in America. That's part of, you know, being raised. Some of the other countries are struggling really bad. And then some of the other countries are immune to all of this also because of their economy, how their economy functions, and they're more agricultural. And, uh, you know, they don't have the problems that we experience. Uh, besides that, they don't all drive big, nice cars and stuff like that. They have a much more simple life, and they can endure these things. So it just matters where you're from and, and the environment that you live in. Uh, there's not one better than another. There's not one more evil than another. You see, we're all saved by the grace of God, no matter where our position is in life. And... Uh, it's easier to trust in God when, when you need to because you have no other option because there's no food on the table or there's no money in the bank. It's easier to say, Lord, I need help. Um, and so sometimes we see the hand of God in these places where people are struggling, but they're content with what God is doing. These apostles are in prison and then they're released by an angel. Would you give up what you have to go to prison so that an angel can release you from prison? I mean, wouldn't that be cool? Hanging out at prison after being beaten and singing songs with your best friend and the next thing you know, angel comes along and releases you and says, hey, go, you know, here, here the doors are open. He, he didn't even say go. He said, here the doors are open. And the jailer came in and he was going to kill himself because he thought Paul and Silas had fled. And they're in there singing songs and, and the chains fall off. I mean, wouldn't it be cool to be there? You know, and it's not a comfy jail either. This is like 
this was the dank prisons that are just, there's no hope when you get inside of them. Why did the jailer think that they were, because there's no light in there. He had no way of seeing any of them. So that's how bad that prison was. It was just a dark hole. And they're in there singing praises. So often we go through trials in our lives and we don't think, let me just praise the Lord through this trial. Because if I praise the Lord, something good is going to come out of this trial. Maybe it's just a change of my attitude. I may still go through the trial. I may still be sick. I may still have this disease, but I can be at peace through our God. So now they're wondering what's going to happen, and they get word in verse 25 so one came and told them, say, saying, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. They got thrown in prison for teaching the people. Don't teach the people in that name. And they got released from prison. They didn't run away. Okay, they went and did what they were told to. Go and teach the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And indeed, uh, and intend to bring this man's blood on us. So here is the hyper. Well, you know what? This is probably Caiaphas, because this is only a few months after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. So this is the same religious rulers that put Jesus to death. It's the same ones. And now, they have these guys that are doing the same thing Jesus was doing, going out and healing people and telling people, uh, you know, how to have a relationship with God. And, and they were mad. Didn't we strictly command you not to do this? Well, they hadn't stopped doing this. Uh, after they were strictly commanded not to do it, they went right back out and kept doing it. There was never a time that they didn't do it. And Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. Oh, good. Good. You just proved to us that we're doing what we're told to do. Right? Go out and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what they were doing. They were going out and preaching the gospel and people were getting saved. Thousands of them. Oh, you know what that does to the bottom line? You know, when, when a big church comes into town and, and they have, you know, flashy music and, you know, the best lighting system and, and, you know, and everyone wants to go check out the new songs and the new worship team and everything. And, and so the other churches, you know, oh, they all go to the new big church that came into town. And it's like, well, what happened to the family. 
You see, this is family. And, and, and I'm not criticizing anybody that has gone on and moved on to another church um, because that's just what people do. They find where they're comfortable. They find the family that they like to be around and that's, when, that's where they make it their church. This is my family. And, you know, they make it their church. And that's, that's a good thing. As long as they're teaching the Bible. If they're teaching, you know, pablum, if they're teaching things that aren't going to strengthen us all as Christians, then what good is it? We're, we're needing to be fed by the meat of the word so that we can be healthy. And that, that's what pastors are called to do. We're called to feed with the best food. And that's the word of God. That's what brings strength to our bones, to our marrow. That's what brings healing to us. And, and so if you find another church, if you move to another area and you're looking for a church, please find one that teaches the Bible. Calvary Chapel, we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We do that so that we don't miss anything. And so that we're completely fed. You know what? I don't like Brussels sprouts. But, you know, if it, if it makes me healthy, I, I eat Brussels sprouts. I don't really. But, I mean, I can find other things to substitute for the Brussels sprouts. But, but with the word of God, we need it all to be fully healthy. We need it all. And sometimes it's just, it tastes like Brussels sprouts, but you know what? That's what we need. So here, these guys, and the funny thing is, it says, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. No, they don't intend to bring Jesus. You notice how he says, this man's blood? When, when he started, he said, um, you know, and the high priest, didn't we tell you not to teach in this name? He's not mentioning Jesus in this man's blood. You know, he won't even say the name Jesus. That gives credibility to who Jesus is. We're just going to call him this man. And so you, you intend to bring this man's blood? Well, in Matthew chapter 27, in verse 24, Jesus was on trial before Pilate. And Matthew records, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, he was trying to get Jesus off. He was trying to say, no, get, get Jesus out of here because he's innocent. When he could not prevail at all, but rather that atonement was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of, and, uh, of this just person you see to it. And all the people, remember all the people that were gathered shouting, crucify him, crucify him. All of those people who were told to do that because of the religious rulers, they were the ones that wanted him dead. And so they rose up this crowd and, and brought this crowd together to shout. Uh, they, all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. 
They were the ones who brought the blood of Jesus upon their own lives. It wasn't that the, the apostles were accusing them. Consider how fast that early church was growing. 5,000 here, 3,000 there, and all of the other people that were coming into the church. What was it doing? It was affecting the bottom line of the Jewish church. Suddenly, people weren't bringing the money in to the temple so that the Jewish priests and high priests and chief priests could have their living. It was now going into the treasury of the apostles who were then taking it and redistributing it to all the people so everyone had what they need. They weren't buying themselves flashy cars and Brooks Brothers suits and, and you know, oh, well, if you don't have a limo, then obviously the Lord isn't blessing you because I got a limo and, you know, obviously your ministry isn't doing. If you don't have a football stadium that you can meet in and, you know, uh, then, you know, obviously there's something wrong with your ministry because God blesses those who are, do you see the fallacy? in that, you know, and, and they were getting a little concerned because the money was being cut off. They also didn't have the power and control of the people anymore, which was probably hurting them just as much as the loss of money. So once again, they don't want them to teach in Jesus' name, but Peter Verse 29, and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. This was the first argument Peter had brought up before previously in front of them. God or men? Who do you think we should listen to? And they were not, see, when they were arrested and brought to the prison, they could have got all of those thousands of people that were there listening and said, stone them. Remember, they took them peaceably because they were worried about being stoned. But they could have caused an uprising right there. But they didn't do that because Jesus said, respect your rulers. And they did, even if it meant going to prison, even if it meant being put to death. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, who you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. These are powerful verses right here because they're not just true being delivered to the Sadducees by the apostles, but they're true today for us. They are just as powerful and they're just as true today as they were back then. The high priest and council were livid because the apostles were speaking with such boldness. But if you remember, 
the last time they went before the council, Peter and John went back and prayed with the apostles and the disciples, and they prayed for boldness. And the building shook, and they went out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here we see that they're continuing to do that. They're not being dissuaded by these leaders that are trying to stop them from doing this. So this was an answer to their prayer. Peter calls Jesus the prince and savior. The prince, the word prince that's being used here is not just the idea of uh, being royalty, being someone in authority, but it's also someone starting something new. That's what that term prince means. He is, Jesus is someone starting something new. Well, there is something new as of Jesus. You see, it's a new covenant that we live under today. It was new 2,000 years ago, and we live under that same covenant today, the covenant of grace by the blood of Jesus Christ. And he started it. That's what they were, the apostles, were trying to tell the Sadducees, you know what? This is a prince. He's starting someone, something new. Not your old ways, not the legalistic ways, following laws and rules, but we're doing something new because of Jesus and we're following what he said. The, the religious leaders didn't want something new. <laughs> they wanted to continue the same way as it always has been. Them in charge, everyone listening to them and giving them money. That's what they wanted. That's the same with many of the churches today. They say that you have to do things their way. You have to follow their doctrine. You have to believe what they believe. You have to wear the clothes they want you to wear. So on and so forth. It, it's you know, something that's been carried through generation after generation. And trying to break out of that mold is sometimes very hard. There are many people that have been trapped in this world system for so many generations, they don't know how to get out. They're just going through the motions of traditional religion. And it's sad because you get locked into a point to where you're not really worshiping God, you're just going through the motions. You're believing something that someone with a pointy hat tells you. It says, Vicar of Christ on the hat. And that means I'm the replacement for Christ on earth. That's what that means. And that person supposedly represents God here on earth. Uh, I tell you, 1 Timothy 2.5, Paul made it clear, for there is one God and one mediator between men and God, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. One mediator. We don't need to pray to saints. Who, who comes up with the idea of saints anyway? The church. Sinners determine who are the most qualified sinners to become saints. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense, right? 
Besides that, if we pray to them, I don't ever want to become a saint. I don't want people praying to me. That means I'm not going to be able to be enjoying heaven. Oh, another prayer. Oh, I've got to answer another prayer. I've got all this work to do. And, and that's not reality. Once we're out of here, we're going to be in a place where we're not going to be worried about here anymore. And it's hard for us to grasp because we live here. We're in the midst of this. And so it's hard for us to grasp what heaven would be like. The best thing in the world, having the most perfectly manicured golf course, getting a hole in one on every hole, you know, you know, something that I'm not a good golfer. So if I ever got a hole in one, I think it would be amazing. But, you know, the, a perfect bowling alley where the ball gets a strike every time. I, I mean, I can think of all of these wonderful things. Heaven's not going to be like that either. It's going to be so much greater than anything we can imagine uh, that we can't even imagine it. So, I, I mean, I'm going to be able to sing and people aren't going to wince. I, I know that that's going to be part of it. So, Peter explains that Jesus is at the right hand of God. They knew what that meant. They knew that that meant he was the power of God was given to him. And they didn't like that either. They didn't believe that that's what, and they said, he gave us the Holy Spirit. And now your witness to the work of the Holy Spirit by the people that are being healed. Well, if I was going around the room healing people, people would come to me saying, wow, you are amazing. You're healing people. Oh, that, hold on, it's not me. It's Jesus. So you would believe me when I said that because... I would take the credit if it was me, but I know that it wouldn't be. It's got to be. So when they're out there doing the work of the Holy Spirit and they're giving credit to Jesus, it's obviously the work of Jesus because everyone else would be taking the credit for themselves, right? They, they wouldn't be giving the credit to someone else. That wouldn't work. So when they heard this, the religious rulers, verse 33. They were furious and plotted to kill them. <laughs> they plotted to kill Jesus. They plotted to kill them now. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to be put, uh, to put the apostles outside for a little while. And then he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be someone. A number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or if this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But 
If it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. So, Gamaliel was not a believer in Jesus Christ. Because if he was, he would have said, listen to them. They make sense. Listen to them and believe what they're telling you. But he wasn't a believer. And, but Gamaliel was a teacher. Uh, he was one of the Pharisees that trained Paul and raised Paul up. And remember, Paul at this time is still Saul. And so he may have even been here during these interactions at this time. Indeed, he equates the ministry of Jesus with these of two rebels, Thaddeus and Judas. Did they heal the sick? Did they raise the dead? Did they come back from the dead after they were killed? So Gamaliel's, uh, Gamaliel's reasoning was flawed in that, well, these guys, they rose up, they were killed, and everything died down. Well, remember, it was only a few months after Jesus had been killed. So they were assuming that this was all going to go away. Gamaliel was assuming that. But he said, but if it's of God, you can't stop it. Well, obviously, it's of God because it hasn't stopped. We're here today because it is of God. And so we are the evidence that this is the word of God. And that the truth continues to this day. He brings up the point of something's of God, we can't stop it. And if it isn't of God, then it will go away. Well, if that's the case, how come we still have all these false teachers out there? How come we still have all of these false churches out there? These false religions. It didn't say it would go away immediately. You see, it's going to go away. When? When Jesus returns. And he says, okay. You've had enough. You know, folks get to choose what they want to believe. And we get to find out for ourselves if it's true. All of those other religions that had religious leaders that led those religions, they're all dead and in the grave. Buddha, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, they're all dead. They're all gone. But there's one that's still alive. How do we know? Because we're here today. And because we not only believe him, but he empowers us to do the work that he wants us to do. Verse 40, and they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And so they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. They just don't get the message, do they? 
Sure, they did get the message. The message was, go out and teach. Go take the word to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And don't stop. And they kept doing what they were supposed to. They decided to follow Jesus and not to listen to what the rulers had to say. That's when we get to be disobedient. I mean, we're supposed to listen to our rulers up until the point where they contradict what our Lord and Savior tells us. There were four different responses to God's truth in our study today. The council attacked the truth and attempted to replace it with their doctrines and their laws. The apostles affirmed the truth, reminding the council of what Jesus did and what they're continuing to do through the work of the Holy Spirit. Gamaliel avoids the truth, and he tries to reason his way around the truth. And the church announced the truth, and they continued to share the good news, spreading the good news until we here today are able to hear it and share it ourselves. We need to decide if we're still stuck in the bondage of law and religious doctrine or have we been set free by the truth of the word of God, by the grace of God that we have been set free. Are we truly set free? I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back for me. And I pray that's the same for you today. Amen? Amen. 